we'd like to welcome you all out to the Domesticated Savages podcast, episode number eight. We're already at eight. Can you believe that? Yes, being the Ocho. The Ocho, baby. So we're at number eight, and we'd like to thank you guys for tuning in and listening to us and growing our podcast. It's pretty awesome. This has uh, gone greater than I ever thought it was going to go. <laughs> Jeremy's over here dicking around. No big deal. As per usual. As per usual. Like I said, hey, I got Jeremy here. Jeremy, how you doing, buddy? What's cracking? Got me, Jake. We don't have Fitz, though. Fitz is gonzo. We ain't got Fitz. As you guys, this is becoming kind of a regular thing. Regular topic. So he's not dead in the literal sense, but he's dead to me. He's dead to me. The board had an emergency meeting last night, and we've decided he's out. He's fired. <laughs> fired. On the board's authority. You're fired. Pulling the Donald Trump on that kid. So if you uh, feel bad, he's usually hanging around some overpasses, freeways. You can donate a buck or something. Throw a buck our way. We'll give it to him. Throw a buck. Bring him a fish sandwich. He'll be all right. Bring him a fish sandwich. <laughs> cool. Hey, so we've actually, we want to start off the episode with a with a cool story, a funny story, uh, something I saw on the social media, and it made me giggle. The story was about an Alabama man who was talking with his buddy, came over, and they were drinking- A neighbor, some, yeah. Yeah, a neighbor. They were drinking some brewskis. The neighbor came over and saw that they were drinking- some bush light. Bush light. I don't know if anybody's ever drank that or not, but the the neighbor took umbrage with that and said, you know what? Your bush light tastes like water. So the guy who was drinking the bush light got offended, got ticked off, and decided to beat his neighbor senseless with a shovel. Put him in the ICU because he said the bush light tastes like water. I feel like that's a disproportionate response. <laughs> you don't think that's accurate? You should be doing that? I'm just saying, you know. A little excessive. Everyone has their own flavors. You know, and not to bag on Bushlight, it's it's always a deal at the gas station. I think you can get around like 150 beers for around twelve dollars. <laughs> I think twelve packs are literally ten bucks. Yeah. It's less than a buck of beer. He took umbrage with that, as he, you said. Yeah, he took umbrage, man. He's he's a little a uh, little angry at that. A little perturbed. So I think it's kind of funny to see sometimes people go somebody goes a little extra sometimes on certain things when you think to yourself, Why did you take the course of action that you took on that? It's kind of interesting. We see that on the job all the time. Oh, yeah. People going crazy and you, you know, when you're investigating the call, you know, somebody's ag assaulted somebody else and you ask, okay, how did this happen? And they tell you the reasons why. And 99% of the time it's, it's like, it's what? ridiculous. Reason. It's ridiculous, ridiculous reasons. Ridiculous reasons why they did. I think that that, you know, absolutely plays into, you know, being police, being a cop. You see that all the time. People just acting crazy for the weirdest reasons. But I thought it was a little funny one. We could share that with you guys. You can look that up. I think I saw it on Instagram where a dude beat his buddy up with a shovel because he said the bush light tastes like water. Water light. You know, and you kind of see it all through police work. Some of the ridiculous things that seem like they would be common sense stuff. That even happens to police officers. I've got a story. So right out of the academy, they had our our whole class, before we even hit FTO, assist our undercover units were doing a, a pretty big drug sweep, a drug op in a certain area. And what that means, they were kind of saturating the area, trying to get some of the dealers identified, arrested. So we were working closely with our undercover units. And mind you, none of us have anything but the academy experience. A few officers had, had come from other agencies, and so they had experience. But, yeah. you know, the majority, 99.99% of us had no police experience whatsoever. Just other than what we've learned in the academy. Right, which is nothing. Which is nothing. Paper stuff, come on. All theory, no practice. (laughs) Maybe some scenarios. Some scenarios. But no real world shit. So what they did is they paired us up with each other from the academy. So you're working with somebody you went through the academy with. That's smart. You know, you have two new guys 
don't know their elbow from their asshole just running around, right? So they kind of, obviously they, they went over, they had a not plan kind of going over what we're doing, what our jobs were. Well, one of the first big mistakes they made is, so they had undercover units trying to buy drugs. And what they do is they document very well the serial numbers on every single dollar they're using. So they know, hey, we've, you know, $100 in $5 bills. And they would have, they would copy on, an, on a copier. Here's the bills. Here's the serial number. So when you arrest somebody, we can identify the bills that we've provided to purchase drugs right. or whatever. You get the money back. Just keep track of your money you're using, right. right? Absolutely. Well, we didn't know that until like day two of the op, day three. <laughs> So we lost probably a couple hundred bucks <laughs> because they felt to tell us like, oh, by the way, you're supposed to be watching out for like- What happened to the money? Gone. Gone? How? Gone. So we would we would arrest somebody for dealing drugs yeah. and then all the money would just get you know booked into evidence. Um, and we would yeah. take out the bills. We'd take it back and put it take it back, back and in put the- it, Yeah. Yeah, okay. And so, but, but it's like, we didn't know. Obviously not having any experience, we didn't know that we we're supposed to be looking out for the bills that they had been using. Yeah. That was kind of our, our intro into cop work. So I'm with an officer. We knew who all the undercovers were. You know, we got to see him so we know. And so one of our undercover goes up and he makes a deal with the guy, purchases some drugs. Our undercover starts walking away. That's when they gave us the signal to swoop in. So we, and we're in, we're in you know, full uniform with our old uh, police cars with the bubble lights on top. So basically, which you're the takedowns. We're the takedowns. So you're playing yeah. out of sight. Yeah. While the undercovers are working inside, obviously, trying to get the deals done. Yeah. And you swoop in to make the arrest. So we're just listening for the radio when they say, deal's done. And, you know, we were supposed to be parked or stationed in certain areas. Yeah. And then, you know, whatever unit was the closest, they'd say, you know, you guys go. Deal's done. We'd swoop in. Gotcha. And we're supposed to jam up our undercover as well as the dealer so it doesn't get suspicious. You know, if we let one guy go, it's like, well, obviously, that's something going on. Exactly. So we, we stop both of them. You know, we're acting like we're searching our undercover, which we're kind of... Just going through the motions because we know he's an undercover. And then we kind of focus on the dealer. And so I'm, I'm assisting my partner. I'm kind of watching as he's he's got his hands, you know, up above his head and his fingers interlocked behind his head. And he starts searching them, kind of searching the areas, looking for weapons. He kind of goes to the waistband, goes to the right pocket, searches down the right pocket, the back right pocket down the leg. So he starts feeling the left pocket and he grabs something. And he's like, oh my God. He looks at me and kind of gets a smile. I'm like, maybe we got whatever. I don't know. I'm, I'm like, okay. Yeah, think like get, a gun yeah, or drugs dope. or something. And I'm just standing there. I'm getting excited. And he starts grabbing it and kind of moving, you know, trying to get a good idea of what weapon this is or what kind of drugs these may be. And he's doing that for probably like 15, 20 seconds. And then he goes, what's this? And the guy looks and goes, that's my dick, man. <laughs> and that officer's face, yeah, you know, what is this? That's well, my, the officer is giving him an yeah. HJ over the pants. He's like, that's my dick, man. And that officer, like anything that he had ever done good in his life, just got blown away right there. He just looked like, you know, he was so embarrassed that he's basically jerking off the suspect as he's searching them. And I just, I That's was like, like second base, bro. Yeah. I, I just looked down. I was like, I don't know. I don't know. They made pistols with like soft barrels now. I don't know. That was like a new technology. Apparently the officer found that out the hard way. Literally. So again, situations you'd think like, you know, this officer, I talked to him after he's like, I don't know, maybe like a gun. And I was like, how in any way you, you know what a gun is, right? Like you've shot a rifle, a pistol, you know how weapons are supposed to feel. And this was a male officer. So he has the required equipment to understand. And it was just like, bro, how do you even make that mistake? And he's like, I don't know. I just thought it was a gun. A flesh rocket, maybe, but... <laughs> oh, my... <laughs> That's ridiculous. 
That's pretty so, funny, uh, though. Even as officers, we find ourselves in sometimes ridiculous situations. <laughs> That's freaking awesome. I love that. <laughs> he probably didn't believe it. He's like, no, prove it. <laughs> I, I, was ser- I was waiting there hoping that my partner wasn't like, I have to verify that. <laughs> but as soon as the guy said, I looked at my partner's face and he like knew. It like dawned on him like that's right that's what that is that makes sense (laughs) and the suspect you know probably had a big old smile on his face he was he i think he was like feeling like yeah you're arresting me but (laughs) you also just jerked me off so i think i won the day yeah he wins that's a win that's a win that's a win bro that made me think of a story of mine has to do with takedowns so we had an op going on in an area that was having kind of big time crimes that were going on car prowls burglaries they set up an op where we're gonna have some takedowns and we have these guys up on the the building doing surveillance and so they're calling it in and they said okay we've got one he's uh looks like he's he's scoping out the cars he's he's breaking into the car okay he's, he's breaking into the car we shoot up to where this guy's at drive up there jump out of our car yell police you're under arrest don't move and the dude runs on us well the guy runs and he runs eastbound and i'm with this other officer this other officer i'm with justin he is like the silver bullet. We call him the silver I bullet. I remember it. So this guy, he was not a skinny. I mean, he was no. He was a yoked guy. Yeah, he looked like a linebacker. He, I mean, he threw weight around unreasonably fast for his he size. He was so fast. It yes. was insane. So this guy takes off running. Rabbits on us. So we start running after him and I'm getting speed, you know, gaining speed. And then here comes Justin. Just blows by me. Boom. It's like, holy shit. And then uh, we catch up to the guy. Justin gets to him first, kind of tackles him down to the ground. And I run up on him and, and the dude's like throwing his hands underneath his waistband. Looks like he's going for a gun or a weapon or something like that. So we deliver some strikes, tell the guy, you know, show us his hand, stop resisting, stop fighting with us. And we get him into custody. We got him and, you know, put him in cuffs. We're kind of gathering our breath. Like, okay, cool, cool. We got the guy and we're sitting there kind of like high-fiving each other. Yeah, good job, man. We caught this guy. And then I get this whiff. I look down at the suspect. I'm like, bro, did you shit yourself? Guy's like, I pooped. (laughs) The dude pooped himself. He couldn't even say shit. He's like, I no, pooped. No, he said, I pooped. He's like, I <laughs> pooped. And, and Justin and I look at each other. We start laughing our asses off. The dude's like, you guys beat the shit out of me, literally. <laughs> <laughs> and so, you know, we're the <laughs> we're the dudes doing the op. So we don't want to, like, get ourselves off the street because we still got bad guys to catch. So we called down a unit to transport to the jail. But we didn't tell him the dude shit his pants. He was a loaded package. <laughs> the dude after... The officer afterward asked us, he's like, did you guys know that that guy had pooped himself before you put him in my car? We're like, well, we had no idea. No clue. No, that's what? That happens, man. Sorry. That reminds Is that me a of- dicked up move? Should we have no. called him? <laughs> that reminds me of Billy Madison when they light the dog shit on the guys. He's like, it poop again. And they're laughing. He's like, he called the shit poo. <laughs> called it poo. <laughs> That made it funny. That was funny. You know what? It's not like I was like aiming to make anybody shit themselves, but that kind of was kind of was a highlight of my career. Happy accident. Getting somebody to poop themselves. That was funny. We kind of talked about that a little bit. Using force on calls. And it's it's always a good day. Great days. But the problem is, I think the public perspective is mainly predicated on what they see in Hollywood. Yeah. Of how force is used, how officers do things. For years, they've seen, whether it's these like cop procedural shows or movies or whatever, they see these over and over again. And then when they 
come to interact with real police, they think it's going to go A, B, C like they saw in the movies, which never happens. No, never. Ever. Dude, the freaking movies, they're not real life at all whatsoever. Nothing that happens in movies is like it happens in real no. life. Real life is, is chaotic. Yeah. You know, it's not scripted. No. Good segue into our next bit, though. What you see in Hollyweird is for effect. It's for visual effect. You know, they can boost numbers. They can get people interested. To make it look cool. To make it look cool. But like you said, use of force in real life, it's dirty. Yeah, dirty. It's nitty gritty. Mm -hmm. It's never pretty. You know, even even like you said, cop or military movies, you know, you guys show guys fighting. And it's like they're trading, you know, trading blows equally. Like, I punch you, you punch me, I punch you, you punch me. Yeah. That's not how it goes no, down. No, not at all. Ever. And like 99.9% .9 of fights end up on the ground. Yeah. They're not just like standing up and punching back and forth. That does not happen. Some of the things we want to talk about that we see in movies that bother me. Some of the things that I can think of off the top of my head is the way, like I, this bugs me. Sometimes I'll just be shaking my head and I'll say, I can't believe <laughs> they're doing this right now. A good example, you'll see a, a, a show like a TV show where you've got these detectives like Law and Order, yeah. right? So you get Law and Order, for example. Most of the time it's these detectives doing follow-up work and they do for the follow-up work and they find the suspect and they decide okay the suspect's here he's he's an aggravated felon or he's like shot at cops yeah or he's done some dirty dirty business now we gotta go catch him yeah so they've called out the SWAT team so the SWAT team's there on scene but who shows up detectives. the detectives and who's leading the SWAT team the detectives. The detectives. And what are the detectives wearing? They, like suits. You, well, you Usually like a suit, maybe like a windbreaker that says like police or something, yeah. like FBI, NYPD, whatever exactly. agency. Something. Like some light blue windbreaker. Yes. And they're the ones going in. They're like the flipping they're head lead. of the stick. Yeah. They're the number one person entering that flipping building on the suspect who they've decided is like, has warranted a SWAT call out. Yeah. And now they're going to enter first, right? Yeah. That stuff bothers me because that's not <laughs> that's no. not how it goes at all. Not at all. It's always, you know, SWAT, if SWAT's going to be showing up, they're going to show up and they're going to, if they have to make entry, they're going to make entry. And after everything's clear and, and copacetic, you know, no more danger going on, then the dicks get called out. Then the detectives will show up and they will start doing what they do. But when SWAT's called out and they get to a scene, that's their scene. Yeah. Until it's secured, whether it's a house, a building, whatever it is. Mm -hmm. And detectives, you know, patrol officers may assist by holding, you know, blocking traffic or doing whatever. But until they've de deemed it clear or safe, they're on scene, they're doing what they're doing. Yeah. And then once, like you said, it's it's clear or safe, then they say, okay, they'll turn the scene over back to the detectives. Like, yeah. now you want to transport people, interview people, whatever, search for whatever. Yeah. Evidence, weapons, whatever. But exactly. Until then, it, there's no detectives. No. Like in their in their three thousand dollars suit, their designer suit, wearing exactly. wearing their sunglasses at night. Like, let's make this clear. And another thing you see, and and it goes right along with that, is some of the tactics are just asinine. Asinine. So you see these detectives, and they're leading SWAT into whatever situation and they've got their guns in this position it's called high sabrina that's where their guns pointed straight up and they've got it you know kind of tucked near their head and then they bust around a corner and point it <laughs> at whomever and they go straight back up that so you're telling me that's not how it's supposed to be that's done? not how and half the time it's like almost tucked right under their chin <laughs> like they're gonna they're gonna hot themselves like what's going on <laughs> not only that but the majority of the time when they've got that high Sabrina position where the gun's next to their head or under their chin, where's their finger? Right on the trigger. Right on the trigger. Or right before they go in, they have to make their weapon hot. It's There's not a round <laughs> chamber. That's true. And you can hear, like you're watching the movie, and for those of you who are not familiar with firearms, some firearms have different firing mechanisms. And, and 
probably 95 to 99% of the firearms you see nowadays are like Glocks. Mm-hmm. And you, then you see some Striker fired. Striker fired, which means they have no hammer to fall on a firing pin to, you know, firing pin hits It's all around. internal. It's all internal. But you see them have a Glock and then they'll cock the Glock, which has no hammer. It'll make the, <laughs> you know, make the cocking sound. Like, let me click. Let me make, let me click my Glock on. Like your gun wasn't ready to fire to yeah. begin with. Yeah. Yeah, that or they're like racking the slide to put a round in the chamber. Yeah. Like, what? You were running around town with no bullet in your chamber? Which, for people, if you don't understand, um, if you don't have a round in the chamber as a police officer on duty or someone who is a, you know, concealed uh, weapons carrier, if you're walking down the street and someone starts shooting at you and then you have to like duck down and make your weapon hot, you're probably dead. Yeah. Exactly. You don't have to have, you don't want to have extra, to take the time. extra movement to rack a flipping round into your chamber. Yeah. To take the time to be like, hold on, stop firing at me. I got to make my weapon and then we'll continue. Time exactly. out. Time, time out. out from the game. <laughs> it doesn't happen. No. One of the other Hollywood things that people see, but even like maybe didn't even dawn on me until later on is where cops do a drug bust, right? And then they test it by like sniffing it or taking it like... <laughs> That's pure cocaine. Take That's it. 100%. Let me take a little they take a the, snoot. They take their knife. They, they take their knife. And they get a little bit on it. Yeah. Yeah, that's 100% that's pure, pure cocaine. cocaine. Colombian. It's like, <laughs> who the fuck thought of that in the beginning? Like, you're a cop. This guy's selling illegal drugs. You're going to take some illegal you drugs. Just a little bit. Just to verify. Just get a little bit of a hot. Just a little snoot. Just figure a out. A little bit sniffer. <laughs> <laughs> little nose candy. You're good. You're not going to pop positive. Well, you're not going to pop toss. positive. You're not going to become an addict. Like, I just, need to, I just need to go do a bust real quick just to get a little, just to get a little bit. I just need a little, you know, have you ever, have you ever tasted dog food? It's delicious. Oh, another one that we thought of earlier was, I'm kind of jealous of these. I wish this was real. Uh, the Unlimited Magazine. Yeah. The Infinite Rounds in the gun you'll watch a show and i watched one recently i love the show it's uh last man standing with oh, bruce yeah. willie bruce willie yeah it was a really good show but i watched he's got bruce stern he's got yep bruce stern's in it yeah he's got two gats right two 1911s yeah holding seven rounds and he blasts this dude and he probably shoots the dude 20 to 30 times yeah Twenty or thirty times and he doesn't run out of any Infinite bullets ammo. and then he gets in a gunfight with like 15 other dudes He's blasting these homies and like no reloads. No, doesn't yeah. have to reload, right? Yeah. But then you see some movies that do it really well. Oh yeah. And one we can think of, we kind of talked about it, is like a John Wick. Yes. John Wick does it really well, but I think it's because Keanu Reeves uses guns in real life because he does. Uh, yeah. Gun there's multiple videos as as the John Wick series was coming out. That kind of became a big thing where they're they're actually filming him doing transitions from you know from a, a handgun to a shotgun and doing these three gun competitions where he's actually kicking ass. Yeah, he's really good. He he took his job seriously yeah. instead of like, hey, okay, you're a cop. You know, whoever the what do they call him on set who advises their yeah. uh, films will actually hire. You know, former police officers or current police officers to go in and consult. This was a consultant. Or former, you know, military, former. Yeah, former military med- guys to be yeah. consultants to make sure they make an accurate representation of what's going on. Yeah. And you ask yourself in these movies, these TV series, these films, who the hell the consultant is because they're letting that stuff fly. And maybe it's just the director who's like, you know what? I don't care. I don't give a shit. But maybe it's the consultant who doesn't know his ass from his elbow just kind of letting you know stuff slip yeah who, who knows i don't know but it, that stuff kind of bothers me if i see a show that's like doing so much of that sometimes it will ruin the show for me yeah kind of ruin it the becomes show so me. unrealistic you just can't get into it you're like this no. is terrible <sighs> yeah exactly and honestly for that reason i won't watch and because it's also part of my real life my everyday life it's hard for me to watch cop shows on tv yeah 
unless it's like uh, specifically, you know, comedic, where it's yeah. supposed to be yeah. goofy or funny, I, I can get, let it slide. Yeah, there, I can right? let I it slide. Care. But, but if it's supposed to be like a, a drama, a drama, a real life, yeah, thing, yeah, that's when I kind of like, oh, okay, bro, draw the line here. I can't deal because this is so fake. And it, I can kind of, uh, so my wife, my lovely, wonderful wife, she's a nurse, and you see these doctor shows where like someone gets wheeled in and the doctor knows immediately like, okay, we need 50 million cc's of morphine stent. He's got a collapsed lung and a prolapsed rectum and <laughs> without having done any tests. What? It was a weird accident. It was a weird accident. The doctor knows, okay? Sex sent me to the ER. Sex that was going on here. <laughs> but it's just so unrealistic. Like, they don't run tests. They just, you know, without knowing, like, hey, are you allergic to anything? Because we're about to inject you with a ton of shit. Yeah. They just start doing whatever. Yeah. And for her, it's kind of the same way where it's like, it's so ridiculous. Mm-hmm. Um, and again, I, you know, sometimes maybe they're not going for realistic. Maybe Hollywood is just going for that dramatic effect. But... At some point, when a guy has, you know, a single sidearm, a 1911, and he's firing 30 rounds, it's like, come on, that's just a little bit, you know, I know you're going for drama, but yeah, now you've gotten into goofiness. I wonder how many people out of the general population would even notice that. I don't know, because I've been in police work for forever, and I can't remember before I was a cop really watching shows and thinking that. So maybe that's not something that people think of. I, so I can distinctly I, I remember... Know. You know, as a as a product of the eighties, my parents yeah. copulated yeah. at some point, obviously created this monster you're listening to now. But growing up, there were some of the best action movies came from the eighties. Sure. Unrealistic ones. Of course. But you I mean, that was back in the eighties of the you know, the macho ness. You had I remember watching WWF, WWE, just some of the best stuff. One of the movies I remember specifically was Lethal Weapon. Mm-hmm. And you know, again, uh Mel Gibson's undercover. Uh, narcotics and he goes to the Christmas tree lot and he's trying to buy the cocaine and he's, of course he's got to test it to make sure it's good shit you know so he's you know he ends up popping it in his mouth and he's like yeah that's really good shit so he tries to buy a key or whatever it is you know the kilo of cocaine yeah, for yeah. like they're like a hundred so he starts counting out 100. like a hundred bucks but he's like a hundred one hundred thousand yes the the firing starts and that's when he dunk you know he he jumps on the ground and starts rolling mm-hmm. he does like that tactical yeah. shooting roll on the ground he's rolling as a kid i was like that's badass yeah that's cool that's cool and obviously it was for that dramatic effect, but as soon as I started getting into, co- you know, wanting to become a police officer, I was like, yeah, that's never going to happen. That's the last thing you want to do. That's the last Lay thing. Lay on the ground and roll. Funny story. I watched one of our officers in the academy perform that exact stunt. We had set up on one of our ranges a bunch of uh, sheets of plywood, almost, you know, like, almost like a corridor. And it was like an active shooter drill. We had paintball guns. Right. But just to kind of get us used to the concept of don't hug your cover, you know, give yourself some room so you can, you know, see around and you're not just, you know, because shots are being, you know, sent down range. You get scared and you just kind of freeze up. So I still remember one of the officers tried to do that tactical sushi roll on the ground. And he lays down and he starts turning over and just capping off paintballs. And the guy, the bad guy, one of the instructors who was the active shooter, just like casually walks up. I was like, what the fuck are you doing? And just reaches down and plugs him like five or six times. <laughs> pop, 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 pop. Now you're dead. Hopefully they taught him a lesson. I think it maybe didn't. Oh, damn. Well, that's great. Yeah. Well, if you can't learn from your failures, you're bound to repeat them, I suppose. Right? Yeah. Um, one of the other things is, I think 
kind of when it comes to you know the weaponry it seems like in a lot of cop shows any kind of joe schmo cop walks in is like hey we've got a serious case give me an automatic give me a, a machine gun and they just pick up like a machine gun from the armory and then they're running around with a, a full auto machine gun mm -hmm. which is the only reason i became a cop i was hoping they'd give me <laughs> a bunch of machine guns grenades and shit you but got your freaking vulcan i i had the the dylan arrow the m134 minigun yeah the the Vulcan minigun. Yeah, I, was I thought I was going to be, uh, you know, in Predator. Blaine. Blaine. Jesse, the body Ventura. Duke. Doesn't and he pick it up right after? Yeah. Jesse gets smoked. He gets and smoked, picks yep. it up. And, and then, it, hey, that they gun ran out of bullets. Remember that? Yeah, after about 30 minutes of firing probably <laughs> 6 million rounds. <laughs> that, that gun has like a 4,000 or 6,000 bullets a minute. Yeah. Plus, they, you know how heavy that gun is? In real life, oh, yeah. a dude doesn't carry that gun around. What made those movies so wonderful is the cheesy one-liners when Arnold busting the door and throws a knife in the guy and sticks him to the wall. He's like, stick around. Stick around. See you at the party, Richter. Yeah. Um, Dylan, you son of a bitch. You son of a bitch. But it's it's just these inaccuracies in Hollywood that I think a lot of the general public believes, again, going back to any time in any cop show, as soon as the handcuffs go on, the officer, the detective, whomever is reading Miranda rights, you know, which, which are the defendants or the suspect's rights that they have, you know, right to have an attorney present, all that stuff. Which doesn't happen in real life. How many people, Jake, have you arrested as soon as you put the cuffs on? Like, I want my lawyer. Give me my lawyer right now. You know, I know my rights. I don't have to say anything to you. I fucking, I fucking shot him, but I don't have to tell you that. Mm -hmm. I don't have to tell you that I fucking did it, but I did it. Mm -hmm. But give me my lawyer. Mm -hmm. I want my phone call right now. Right. And Never. Like, no. Bro, that doesn't happen. No. And even then, that's a misconception I think people probably have is just because I'm arresting you doesn't mean I have to read you your rights. I don't have to read anybody their rights. Right. Nope, I can arrest somebody and never read them their rights. Yep. That happens all the time. When do you have to read them their rights? When you're going to question them specifically about the possible crime they've yeah. committed. There's a couple of factors, custody and interrogation. But, yeah. and, and that's one of those misconceptions that Hollywood has helped kind of permeate through the years is, you know, how cops act, what they do, running around buildings. You know, there's a term that we use is called lasering somebody. When you let your muzzle of your weapon, whatever it is, cover the body of somebody, another officer. Mm -hmm. And there's certain firearm rules you don't violate. Obviously, mm -hmm. that's a big one. Yeah, um, it's a huge one. These shows where officers are just running around, you know, like pointing their guns at people and their partners and like, hey, I've got my loaded gun right in my finger and I'm pointing it at your face, but I want you to listen to what I'm saying. Yeah. The suspect's over in that room. Yeah. Using their gun to like point things yeah, out. Yeah, over there. Pointing at their buddy. Hey, you, they, hey, hey, you, over here, over, over here, here, over here. That's true. They do that crap all the time. And it's just, so, so I think people watch these Hollywood movies or TV shows and they have this misconception of police work, what it actually entails. Most of the time, it's not the awesome action scenes that, I wanted it to be or that we'd hope it would be. A lot of the times it's you fighting dudes end up shitting themselves. Yeah. <laughs> or you have some guy searching some dude's dick. Exactly. For weapons of mass destruction, which I guess that was. <laughs> it could have been. Keeping in line with what we just talked about in Hollywood is kind of detrimental is fighting or use of force or, or deadly situation scenes because what Hollywood portrays and what actually happens in real life is, you know, leagues and leagues apart, miles apart. Yeah, definitely. Because I still remember, and this is a classic 80s movie. Again, I'm going back to the 80s. They Live. Keith David, Rowdy Roddy Piper. It's a great show. Fight I scene. love that show. I do too. Yeah, dude, that's great. But the fight scene in the alleyway, I think it went on for probably six hours. Dude, it was so long. I remember watching this fight scene between these two in this alleyway. And they fight, and they fight, and they fight, and they fight. The part is And like, they fight. No, and they fight. And then I'm thinking it's over, and they keep fighting. And then you think it's over, and then they, they keep, keep fighting. fighting. Yeah. Dude, it's like, it's like I thought there was like, like three conclusions. Minute. I think it it's like insane. a 20 minute. And what happens is like they would fight and then kind of like separate and back away and then go back in yeah, it. Fight, fight. And then like fight. 
And it was just kept repeating that. So, you know, you see in these Hollywood movies where it's like the good guy is facing off against the bad guy and they're trading blows, you know. I punch the bad guy. The bad guy punches me back and forth and back and forth. And they're throwing, and Hollywood makes it seem like these haymaker rounds. Yes, huge punches. And you're taking it right on the chin, right in the face. And you're like, right okay, on the chin. I'm okay. Which, in reality, I have fought, uh, not professionally, but hood rattedly. Mm-hmm. Uh, in school and, and other times where, you know, I've I've punched dudes in the face right in the nose and their nose explodes like a damn water balloon. Yeah. And it's blood everywhere and it's over. And you can't see shit. And you can't see shit. And I've also been hit that I've way. I've been hit in the nose and you can't see Where a dude shit. fucking pops me in the nose and my eyes water and I'm like, holy shit, I can't see anything. And I've got blood just pouring down yes. my face. Yes. And that takes the fight out of you pretty damn yeah, quick. Yeah, pretty quick. What happens in, and what we're coming into nowadays is some of these kids who grew up in the... 90s and 2000s are seeing real uses of force where police officers have to use force on a subject, a suspect, for whatever reason, and it does not look pretty. Real uses of force are ugly, they're nasty, they're violent, and it looks terrible. Yeah. That's because it's not choreographed. Yeah. Even in the MMA, you get guys who, these guys are really fighting and they're really, and you see them that, you know, there's like after the first, you know, round, somebody's nose is bleeding, their eyes bleeding and swole up, which you never, see, over in, the place. You never see in Hollywood. Yeah. No. You know, a guy can take 30 punches to the damn face and he still looks fucking Fabio fabulous. Even in the MMA, where these guys are actually fighting and they're actually getting bloodied up. I mean, they have gloves on or some sort of, not gloves, maybe mm-hmm. padding, mm-hmm. whatever. But in real life, it's ugly as shit. Because when I fight with somebody, I don't know what their intent is. Exactly. I don't know if they're trying to kill me. Yeah. I don't know what if weapons they're fighting, they have. If they're fighting with me... The thing about we say this all the time is regardless of what call you go on, there's always a gun on the on the scene. There's always a gun on scene, and it's it's my gun. It's my gun. The gun. Even if I the bring. bad guy doesn't have a gun, I've got a gun. Yep. So and that bad guy could take my gun and use yeah. my gun on me if I'm not careful, right? Yeah. And that happens every single year. Police officers are killed with their own weapon. Yep. So you have to be cognizant of that. You can't lose that fight because if they take your gun and shoot you with it, dude, you're done. You're done. That's it. Yeah. And so again, it's it's these choreographed fight scenes that Hollywood that they portray to be like, you know, you can punch this guy 30 times. He's going to punch you 30 times. You're going to have maybe a little trickle of blood and everything's going to be okay. <laughs> Those are some of the weakest punches I've ever heard of. Then. Yeah. And so that's, I, I think people, they grew up watching that. And then when they actually see some of these, you know, axon or body camera videos of cops using force, they're like, holy shit, that was ugly. Yeah. And that was not pretty. It's not meant to be pretty. It's meant to be effective. Hollywood makes it seem pretty. Yeah. But again, that's one of those misconceptions that Hollywood has portrayed over the years where you can fire a million bullets. Detectives can clear buildings by themselves. Uh, John McClane can launch a fucking motorcycle into a helicopter and knock it down. Yeah. Uh, Shit doesn't really work that way in real life. And nowadays, you've actually heard this the call for this in real life, like officers, instead of shooting center mass, which is what we were trained to do is shoot yeah. center mass. And we don't shoot to kill. No, we shoot to stop the target stop the threat, stop the threat. Yep. Right. So we don't shoot to kill. We shoot to stop the threat. What we aim for is center mass, whatever that might be. But nowadays you hear lots of calls that are saying, just shoot him in the leg. Or, Why don't you just shoot the gun out of his hand? Shoot the gun out of his hand, shoot his trigger finger off. So he can't pull the trigger. It's like, dude, that's not real life. That's not real life. That is not real life. You that can't just yeah. shoot somebody in the leg. You can't just shoot somebody in the hand or shoot their arm or wing them to, to bring them down. That's nope. not how it works. Nope. So we, we shoot center mass. And if, if they're ducking, if they're moving, we want to hit the mass of it. Yes. Um, and again, it's to stop the threat. I don't, you know, we don't shoot people to kill them. No. We shoot to stop the threat. And after one shot, they go down and they give up and they, they're alive. That's it. Great. Okay. Yeah. Threat's over. We actually nowadays apply flipping tourniquets and yeah. 
aid these aid, people who we shoot try to more save their lives than I've ever seen. Shot them. Absolutely, yeah. tons. In fact, I've seen it in person many a times. Yep. To say that we shoot, we don't shoot to kill. We don't shoot freaking guns out of people's hands. We don't shoot legs. We don't shoot arms. We shoot center mass. Yeah. So Hollywood portrays like shooting guns out of hands. That, that ain't real. Happen. No, it's a fluke if it happens. Yeah, and if it, and you know, and after the fact, if it has happened, where they've been shot in the hand or you know the whatever, that was because you know we were shooting, and that's they maybe they had their hand over their chest, yeah, over somewhere. It just happened to take the movement. Round. Movement. They moved, that, and that the gun didn't. You know, our reaction times a little yeah. bit slower. You see that all the time. It's like, why did the officer shoot the guy in the back? Well, it's like, well, he was falling down. And it so happened the officer's pulling the trigger as he's falling down yeah. and continue to pull the trigger until the threat stopped and the bullets have to go on his back. One thing that's important to, you could look up, uh, you people out there that aren't police officers, you can look up for science. They talk about timing and oh, the yeah. the, uh, the time that it takes for you to make a decision and act upon your decision. And it explains a lot of why police officers do what they do and how far behind the flipping eight ball yeah. the the officers are when it comes to action versus reaction because when we show up on scene we don't know what somebody has but they know what they have exactly they can see what they we know have. their intent they know their intent they can see what we have because our, our all our gear is very visible plainly mm -hmm. visible mm -hmm. and we don't know if they have warrants but they know if they've got warrants mm -hmm. we don't know if they've committed a crime but they know if they've committed a crime mm -hmm. and so we're always behind the eight ball Mm -hmm. And so we have to compensate for that. So if we're trying to arrest somebody and they've got a, a felony warrant for homicide and their mindset is I'm never going back to jail, they know that we don't until they turn on us, start trying to grab our gun, whatever they're doing. That's when we know like, okay, this, this isn't tiddlywinks anymore. You know, now we're playing for keeps, mm -hmm. you know, it's just one of those things that I think people have been so indoctrinated by Hollywood looking at these fight scenes, these shooting scenes. And again, to kind of go the opposite way, you know, just because somebody's been shot doesn't mean they're dead. Hollywood and, and a lot of movies and, and TV shows they portray it like you shoot once the guy goes down. That's not always the case. Mm -mm. Sometimes you're you pump round after round after round after round after round into somebody and they're not going down. Yeah. And it's whether it's because you're just hitting meat and it's not hitting any vital organs or they're hopped up on something. Yeah. And the same goes for the officer. Yeah. Uh, just because somebody has gotten struck, hit with a round, doesn't mean you're dead. Obviously, there's real life scenarios we can think of. I can think of uh, Marcus Luttrell, lone survivor. Yeah. Uh, all those guys got shot multiple times and still had the mindset of, I've got a job to do. I've got to protect my guys here with me now. And I've got to try and get out of this area. Marcus Luttrell was shot multiple times. All his guys were shot multiple times. Mm -hmm. uh, there have been obviously countless videos of officers shot multiple times. <laughs> I still remember a story. I think it was out of Texas, a retired or former Navy SEAL. Someone carjacked him, shot him in the stomach. And as he's chasing down the suspect who shot him, he's plugging his bullet wound with his finger to stop the bleeding, trying to chase down the suspect, call the police to get him there. Just because you're, you're shot or something goes wrong doesn't mean you're out of the fight. Doesn't no. mean you're done. Exactly. And I think obviously it's the mindset that... It's conditioning. It's conditioning. Like Mike Tyson said, everyone has a plan. Everyone has a, an idea or a plan until they get hit in the face and mm -hmm. they get punched in the nose. Mm -hmm. You know, I, I have that conditioning where I've been hit before. Yeah. Um, and I know I, I can work through it. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I think that people have seen so much on TV or on movies, you get shot and you're dead. So I think people get shot and they freaking lie down and like, I'm giving up the ghost. You know yep. what I mean? Or kind of the opposite where... They think, well, this guy took 20 punches in the face and he's fine. So the first time they get hit in the ridge, like, oh, this is real hit. Oh, shit, I'm out. Yeah. Because it wasn't like the movies where he just brushed it off and he's fine. Right. This actually fucking hurts. Yeah. And yeah. so it can go either way. Yeah, I think so. For sure. But uh, that's a good segue into our Savage of the Week. Savage of the Week. So um, our Savage of the Week comes from a website called policeone.com. And the headline is retired 
California police captain details surviving 22 bullet wounds. Damn. Yeah. Damn. Um, doctors aren't sure exactly how many times retired police captain Ursi Joyner was shot. It goes on to talk about uh, Joyner was mugged in October while pumping gas. Four men with handguns approached him, grabbed his necklace and wallet, and threatened to shoot him. Joyner was carrying a Glock 43. And there's a pretty disturbing video if you want to find it. And he says, I immediately started thinking to myself about contingency plans. Joyner said he was cooperating, but when one of the men said, shoot him and steal his truck, he decided it was time to act. Joyner fired off 10 rounds, killing one of the men. The suspects returned fire, hitting Joyner nine or 10 times. He believes uh, Joiner waited on the concrete filled with lead, which I think that's inaccurate because they stopped making lead bullets a while ago. And you can you can make your own lead bullets, but I doubt these guys I out doubt there these guys have the ingenuity. Ingenuity. I doubt they're melting down lead and making their own lead bullets. But Joiner waited on the concrete filled with lead for police in the hospital. Doctor Timothy Browder knew that mortality rates are high for patients with so many gunshot wounds, but he believed Joiner would make it. When Joyner asked to Browder to tell his family he loved them before the surgery, Browder said, you're going to tell him yourself. He was in the hospital about nine days. I think that kind of ties in with some of the, you know, some of the things we've talked about, you know, having your head on a swivel and always being prepared. But yeah. just because you get shot once, twice, nine, 10, 22 times, doesn't mean the shit's over. Yeah. And, you know, the same goes back back to what we're talking about. Just because you get fucking punched in the face doesn't mean you're out of the fight. Pretty awesome, man, that that guy was able to take on his assailants. You know, he wasn't going to throw down with them if they just took his wallet, did what they did, yeah. and left. He's going to say, okay, cool. You cool. Know, chalk it up his lost, whatever. Shit. But as soon as they're like, kill him and take his truck, he's like, well, guess what? They're going to kill me. Yeah. I got to fight back. Now it's time. Have that fucking savage mindset. Exactly. That savage mindset. Be that savage, Be bro. that fucking savage. And again, I would have done the same thing. But the minute I like, kill this motherfucker, I'm like, y'all coming with me. All right. Let's I'm go. I'm about to go talk to Jesus, motherfuckers. Y'all coming with me. Exactly. Let's go together, homie. Awesome. Well, we appreciate you guys tuning in to our podcast here, The Domesticated Savages. Check us out on Instagram, Facebook, YouTube, and also we're getting a little bit hot on them TikToks too. Yeah. So check it out there. And again, if you want to support Fitz, look at Freeway over and underpasses. It's going to be the Polynesian dude holding a sign that needs money for deli meats. Throw him a buck. He looks a lot like Kim Jong-un's half-brother or something like that. brother Throw him a buck or two. Stop giving him your your old soy latte you had. You know, help the dude out. He's fucking done. (laughs) He's done. Once again, thanks a lot. We'll see you guys next week. Remember, stay savage. Nickel titty. Bing bong. Fuck fits.